do wonder what was stirred deep in your heart as we did an introduction and a bit of context around this story of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts chapter 5. What was it that was stirred up in you when you thought about that line, there was no selfishness a part of their community? What was it that was stirred up within you when you thought about how often we can look at the faults of one another rather than seeing the glory of the Lord in one another? There is no specific right or wrong or answer out of this. It's an invitation to um, think about what we're thinking about, think about um, how we feel about ourselves, about scripture, about God, about the world around us. And it's an invitation most of all into looking at the word of God through a filter of hope through a filter of who is this guy Jesus and what has he done for me and how is that relevant to my day to day and so we move on today or well this podcast maybe you're listening to them all in a row I don't know but we move on right now to unpack the beginning of the story and so I'll just get chatting like I do as if you're talking back to me but I'm not even stopping to give you a chance to say anything Um, but I'll keep going and then I'll stop at about the 12 minute mark I guess and we'll see how many this podcast ends up to be it's quite a social experiment isn't it so chapter five it says there was a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira just a side note I'm not sure if it is going to mean anything much to you but her name meant beautiful. Sapphira was famous for her beauty, it says in the notes of the Bible that I'm reading. So here we have a context of believers, people who are believing in the resurrection of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, the one that was coming, um, that they'd heard so many um, prophetic expressions and heard from the prophets about. They were united, they were giving to everyone who was needy, and there were a couple and Anna and and they they had a farm and the wife was beautiful these guys they they sold their farm but it says in the beginning of chapter 5 that they conspired to secretly keep back for themselves a portion of the proceeds now there's a contrast here that is starkingly clear the contrast is that They're in a community where it says selfishness was not a part of it. And yet immediately it appears that in wanting to keep back some for themselves, there is some selfishness in the hearts of this couple. I don't know. I'm not sure if it was selfishness that provoked them to conspire in their hearts to keep some for themselves. Was it selfishness or was it a sense of needing to be in control we talked last time about embracing being out of control and trusting the one who is in control Um, there's a little bit of that in all of us isn't there i personally find it confronting to think about believers where there's no selfishness in them where if i'm honest that often selfishness is exposed in my heart I can even deceive myself. Sometimes I'm doing things that I really believe are for the sake of someone else, for the sake of other people, only to find that down the track through my relationship with God, he at times exposes that actually it came from a selfish place. 
and um, I'd cleverly covered it up to make it look like I was um, doing it from a selfless place. The difference between someone pointing it out to to judge me or, or for me condemning myself when I feel guilty or feel bad and not entering that faith rest is that 1 John 1 9 says if we're quick to confess when he shines his light he one forgives and two cleanses there's a there's a grace and a mercy that comes when Jesus exposes an area of my life where I've actually been selfish in fact in Corinthians it says godly sorrow leads to repentance with no regret there's this sense of life it's it's a conviction from the Holy Spirit there's an awakening and understanding like a pointing to my spiritual poverty which so beautifully reminds me of my need of his spiritual wealth him in me um, but there are many times when I've tried to cover up selfishness in my heart and so I've I've got to be honest when I read now a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira likewise sold their farm they conspired to secretly keep back some for themselves a portion for themselves when I'm honest with what can be in my heart the depth of the deceitfulness in my heart I uh, I really can't judge this couple I I can't have an opinion on what they did and what they didn't do and whether it was right or wrong I guess I could just say okay I, I get it but the story goes on to say that Ananias brought the money to the apostles when he did it was only a portion of the entire sale and it says in the passion translation at chapter three at verse three sorry that God revealed their secret to Peter so it's almost like God in the hearts of, of his people has revealed this is this is what's happening and it, it gives Ananias he's given an option he's given a choice to make at this point because Peter says to him um, why did you let Satan fill your heart and make you think you could lie to the Holy Spirit you, you've only pretended to give it all you hid back a part of the proceeds from the sale of your property to keep for yourselves he says, before you sold it, wasn't it yours to sell or keep? And after you sold it, wasn't the money entirely at your disposal? How could you plot such a thing in your heart? You haven't lied to the people, you've lied to God. There's this highlight here of the choice that we make and that so often, it's not even that we're lying to ourselves or to others that is the problem, but covering up and lying to God is, is this sense of, for me anyway it's trying to prove to god that that's not there that i'm not broken that i'm that i'm doing okay that i it's it, i guess it's covering up the things that i want to hide from god the things that i feel guilty and ashamed about and i can see that when ananias came into peter he wanted to do that as well he knew he was in a community that was united in heart and mind. There was no selfishness among them. He didn't want them to know that he was being selfish and he, and he, and he wouldn't have wanted God to know either. The decision was made in his heart. It reminds me of another couple in scripture in, right in the beginning of the Bible and it, it says that, you know, Adam and Eve they didn't know they were naked. They didn't feel guilt or shame prior to eating from the knowledge of 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like they were running around fully exposed before God. But when they ate from that tree, all of a sudden they experienced the guilt and shame. They, they felt guilty and ashamed at their exposure. And I just wonder how much Ananias and Sapphira felt guilt and shame. And it was the guilt and shame that they that provoked them to lie. They didn't want to be, they wanted to be counted among the others. They wanted to be selfless like the others, but they they weren't. And they need they wanted to make it look on the outside at least that they were by, okay, well we we want to be able to do what the others are doing. Um, we'll at least give some of it. it. It's just a story of sort of not lying technically, but, but holding some back. And and the, the story goes on to say that Ananias dropped dead. It's almost like it just brought death into his world, death into his life. And for me, this is the beginning of this story. It's... It's not so much that being a Christian is about what do I do or what what is right and what is wrong because we're not eating from that tree. The decision is not, is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? For me, it's more like, is this life or is it death? It's a much bigger decision that we're making and the decision's being made on a heart level, N- not just, you know, through our thinking. And sometimes we can become so obsessive in our thinking, trying to work it all out, or we get driven and led by our emotions or what we want to do. You know, we've got that willpower. But but on a heart level where Jesus is, that our choice there to fully trust and depend on him or to trust in ourselves, it's a choice of life or death. It's a choice of being honest, of of a of walking with him, remaining with Jesus in every moment and being aware continually of our full need upon him because in our flesh no good thing dwells, the fullness of good is in the person Jesus and we can depend on him as our new life and when we don't, um, you know, when we don't depend on him to do in our hearts maybe you know one forgive us of our selfishness and cleanse us of it when we don't depend on him to do it and wait on him by faith that he'll do it when we try to cover it up or change how we feel or change ourselves in the power of the flesh or in the power of our willpower it brings destruction because it doesn't lead to godly sorrow it doesn't lead to godly sorrow which leads to repentance with no regret it leads to worldly sorrow which brings destruction it's just this sense of covering up that brings death into our world not life and christ is life and roman says we can choose our own master we can choose sin which leads to death or righteousness which leads to life and sin is ultimately living independently from god not trusting in him and and how often do we trust in ourselves? rather than trusting in him and the invitation of who is him what has he done for me I believe is an invitation to um, have more and more exposed how often I have trusted in myself but I've I've thought that I was trusting in Jesus only to find out that that actually was trusting in my own planning it was trusting in my own ability to, to feel better about people or to forgive rather than to be flat on my face having to fully depend on him which it feels like it almost can feel hopeless to keep feeling our spiritual poverty but at the same time when we experience 
the glory of Jesus in that moment, it reminds me again of just how wonderful he is compared to how wonderful I try and make myself look, (laughs) which isn't wonderful at all. And so it fills me with hope and life and that I want to, I organically and exuberantly go, Jesus is my life. There is no um, fruit going to be produced from the flesh of Amanda Cox, but the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness is the fruit of Christ within me. And as I continue to fall on my face or have destruction brought into my world and turn back to him and be reminded that I can only trust in him for that, that fruit then is born through my life. Like it's, it's not produced by me, but as a branch on the vine, I just, I just hang there and it, he bears it through me. That is good news. That's super exciting. And so lots of profound thoughts there for you to think about um i wonder you know for you maybe now a man named ananias and his wife sapphira who was beautiful likewise sold their farm they conspired to secretly keep back for themselves a portion of the proceeds what comes to mind for you how do you feel about that just those first two sentences i invite you to sit with jesus in your pondering of that with free of guilt and shame and just allow the Holy Spirit to perhaps shine a light on areas that you can acknowledge before him receiving his forgiveness in the moment and and that trusting by faith and waiting on his cleansing in that moment too wherever you are I hope the sun's shining and the kettle is on until next time